on today's episode of Hooks and Hoops, episode number 34, with Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, is presented by nobody. Folks, this is like the Ernie Johnson segment at the end of Inside the NBA when he never has a presenting sponsor. It's just like that. But I got a heck of a guest, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson, stopped by, very gracious with his time, and uh, he was awesome. I was a little nervous. Throughout this interview, I forgot a couple lines, uh, but we made it work, and it was a really fun interview. I hope you had a lot of fun doing it, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to this. We talked about the time he met Michael Jordan. He's met Jay-Z. He hung out at the old Nets arena, and uh, now he's doing it big. He dropped some hot Lakers news, hot Celtics news, of course, some New York Knicks, Brooklyn Nets, and uh, answered a whole lot of trade questions and a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, so... I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this. Once again, thanks again to Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. Make sure to subscribe here on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. And make sure to subscribe on YouTube and Instagram, Hooks and Hoops. We got the hottest video content dropping this week. And uh, you're listening to the audio experience right now. So uh, I'm going to drop the beat. I don't know what random beat I'm going to drop right now, but it's going to be hot, hot fire, like super hot Dylon fire. And we'll get right into the interview. It's time for EJ's Vino Satellite. Presented by no one. <laughs> Today's guest is a new friend of the show. He is Hofstra's finest. He's one of the sharpest dressed people in sports media. You can listen to him every week on Scoop B Radio. And if you were a New Jersey native, if you were in the tri-state area back in the day, you could have heard him on uh, Nets Slamming Planet with Albert King and Evan Roberts. Now, Scoop B, I don't know if Radio AAHS exists. Does that even exist anymore, Scoop? Oswald Radio does not exist anymore. It was... um. It was actually a local access station wow. at uh, Liberty Science Center in Jersey City, New Jersey. And then we, we did that the first year. Oswald Radio was called. Then we ended up going to 620 AM one-on-one sports, um, which is uh, which was supposed to be a competition for Sports Radio 66 WFAN. It didn't last long, but it was an awesome experience for my two years uh, getting my awesome start with the Nets as a kid. So that was was that your first experience dealing with sports media and journalism in general? Yeah, it was my first experience on a mainstream level, um, working around an NBA team or you know being around people. But it wasn't my first experience being around celebrities and athletes in general. Man, that's incredible! So you won this contest, and and all this all this led to you interviewing Kendall Gill and Sam Cassell and and Jason Williams. And what what, what time period was this around? Was this around ninety seven? Yeah, it was from 1997 to 1999. So the first season was the first season where the Nets changed their logo. John Calipari ah. was the head. And then the next year was the uh, lockout shortened season. Did you get to see Jordan in person? Met Michael Jordan. Talked to Michael Jordan. What? Dude, you got to tell me about that. So you see Air Jordan, his airness, he's in the Prudential Center. I think it's still called the Prudential Center at that time. If I'm not, please correct me. But you see MJ, what does he tell you? When I was there, it was the Continental Airlines Arena, which Ooh. was in East jersey but the prudential center was in newark the nets ended up moving to newark their last year um you it's all good so long story short 
the Nets were playing the Bulls. It was an afternoon game. It was uh-huh. a Saturday. It was the first time I had been in the Bulls locker room. Phil Jackson was that coach. I walk into the locker room. With that arena was the hockey visitors locker room when they when the devil. And so, you know that that room needed like WD forty because it was so slippery, <laughs> and uh, like the, like the door sounded like a E-E-E-E-E-E. so. You walk in, and the first person I see was uh, Dennis Rodman, wow. rocking uh, check plaid like red and black checkered uh, pajama pants. So he was watching video before a game, and then. You know, you look on the right, you saw Luke Longley. I actually interviewed Luke Longley before the game. I, he actually gave me, after that game, gave me a pair of his size 16 uh, Nike sneakers I still have to this day. Whoa. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, I interviewed Ron Harper, uh, who, you know, was in the corner on one side. Scotty was on the other side. And then when you walk into this room on the left, it was a room where um, basically coaches mm-hmm. and players Star players would go if they wanted to hide from media before the game. I was a 12-year-old kid. I was cute. So I could kind of get away with doing certain things. I look in the room. Phil Jackson's on the left. Tex Winner's on the right. And then I see Michael Jordan, and I look up. He looks at me. I look at him. I go, <gasps> and, and he smiles at me. And he says, how you doing? And I, and I couldn't say anything. Like I, was like a, I was like a deer in headlights. And I'm not really quiet much. But, you know, they say you should meet your you – should you, should, you shouldn't meet your heroes. Um, my favorite basketball player is Michael Jordan, and my favorite rapper is, is Jay Z. I've met both, and wow. you know, definitely a rewarding experience because uh, I grew up, you know, looking up to them as sure. as, as as successful people in their respective fields. So right. that's my Michael Jordan story, and um, you know, over the years I've seen him at different things, and you know, even got to meet his son uh, last year in L.A. during All Star Weekend. Wow. Uh, I was at the Jordan brand party, and um, good people. I don't have a problem with them. I got a random question though. How are people watching film back then in the, in 1997? Because there's no iPads. It's just people just watching it on a big bulky television. Yeah. So you know how like when you were when you were in school as a kid and they used to wheel those oh TVs on the wagon. And- yes. So that's how you would watch them in the, in the NBA locker room. Like we'll be plugged into a wall. You have a VCR. You have a the the, the box shaped TV. And Dennis Rodman was in there like looking at tape. Man, that that's that's that is something to see in the Nets. Were you there through the whole Jason Kidd run as well? Like, were you going to the to going to Nets games all through the Kidd, Carter, Richard Jefferson era up into the finals as well? The show ended in 1999. I right. went, went back to being going to high school. I still would go to games. Like, I still had tickets. I okay. still had. Um, I still would go to like shoot around and do interviews from actually my high school um, newspaper column. Um, so I would interview like. Kenyon, Brian Scalabrini, uh, you name it. And then you you mixed eras. So Kid and the Nets went to the back-to-back finals in 2 3 right. Then Carter came in like 4 5 uh, I was in college at that point, but I would be between – I went to college in, in the Philadelphia area. I would be between Philly, New York, and Jersey, just growing, just spending time with friends, going to school, all that other stuff. So – I mean, if I, whenever I wanted to go to games or if I wanted to go out or go out on a date or just impress friends or just go out and have a good time, I, I would still head over to the arena. And, you know, I still have a relationship with the Nets organization to this day. So that was my first start, and things are good. Man, that's incredible. So you went to school, I believe Eastern University is what I, was I read about. You went to Eastern University, and then you went to Hofstra, right? Yes. 
And then when you got back into 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 journalism or covering and covering basketball, who were like your mentors? I believe like Chris Broussard is a big influence on your life, if I'm not mistaken. And you like you you saw Stephen A. back in the day before, quite frankly, and before first take and all that fun stuff too. Yeah, Steve, uh, I used to see uh, in the NBA locker room um, when he was covering the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer, um, and then Broussard I've known um, since my early days. We lost touch, so. Funny story. So when he covered the Nets and the Knicks for the New York Times, I was a kid, huh. and I always used to I always used to confuse him with former Nets player Aaron Williams. I tell him all the time, "You two are the most light skinned people in the locker room," <laughs> and he would laugh about that. So after that was over, we kind of lost touch. Um, we regained touch. You'll never forget who reconnected us. Jamel Hill. Wow. Former ESPN personality now at the Atlantic, I believe. Yeah, me and uh, Jamel met while I was in college in 2007. Wow. She was on she was on a um I went to this thing in college called Pointer Institute and Pointer they were having this seminar is in St. Petersburg. And um, I have family in Tampa, so I went out. I went out there a little early, spent time the whole week, and then I went out to St. Petersburg. So they had anybody on that panel from Bill Plaschke, Woody Page, Wow, Terrence uh, Harris, who at the who, who at the time was covering the Houston Rockets for the Houston Chronicle, um, and Jamel was on the panel. And Jamel spoke. Um, there were some other ESPN executives there, and me and Jamel just got cool. This she was at the time she was living in Orlando, and um, she was a con for page two, I believe, in ESPN the magazine. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, you know, I was just you know, still in school, getting to know people, knowing the inner workings of different things. And um, we exchanged contact info, numbers, email, whatever. And one day I had saw, I saw Chris on TV. I was like, man, I remember Chris from when I was a kid. So right. I hit up and I said, hey, can you can you um, connect this? And she did. And uh, me and Chris you know, regain touch. And the crazy part was when I was an undergrad, I had to trail somebody for a day. And um, I think I told this story on Twitter like a week or two ago. Like, um, Chris uh, lives not too far from my parents' house. And we went and um, he picked me up from my parents' house. I came home from school, from college. And we actually took a trip together to Bristol, Connecticut, to ESPN's wow. campus. I got a tour of the whole campus. Uh, ESPN has like an amazing cafeteria. Uh, you name it, they have it. Like a whole candy bar. They have like gourmet chefs there. It's it's awesome. And you, it's like college. You have like a meal card. You swipe it. You have fence and all that stuff. So, um, I sat in on like production meetings at the time. He was doing NBA Fast Break, and uh, he was doing it with uh, Swin Cash, okay. uh, WNBA player. And so like. This was when Swin was really transitioning into television while also being a player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just never forget that experience. It was a cool experience. I spent a whole weekend at ESPN and really just learned a lot of the inner workers. I even like sat in on a set of baseball tonight. And uh, it was pretty cool. Man, I'm 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 gonna I miss baseball tonight. I don't know if they got rid of it completely, but with like John Cruck and, and Peter Gammons and all and all those guys, that was a great show to watch when ESPN was heavy, heavy into baseball. I really loved that show on Sunday nights. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. Now that the NBA trade deadline is over, are you able to get some rest? Are you able to take a nap now? You know, you 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 don't have to be firing off um, all your scoops, man. Are you able just to rest up for the buyout and the re- in the second half of the season? Um. Yeah. I mean, I I I um likened the NBA trade deadline last week to kind of um midterm or finals time in college. You mm. know, you you show up, you show up 
at a different time than this normal for your class. You take your finals or your midterms at a certain designated time, and then you go home. But the difference is when you go home, you may come home and watch a little TV, you eat, you take a nap, and then you're up late studying and memorizing stuff. And so that's what I liken the trade deadline to because you're on the phone, you're texting, you're writing articles, mm-hmm. you're preparing, you're, you're, you're being interviewed on a myriad of shows. I think trade deadline week, I was interviewed about 20 to 25 times. Oh, for sure. Uh, that week. So it's like you're, you're, you're constantly studying information, regurgitating information, following up with people. Last week I was on set pre-recording a show uh, for a network I can't talk about yet, but what I'll say is I was on set mm-hmm. and in between takes I'm checking my phone and I'm getting information. And you're tweeting that out, so it's like you're you're always on the go, and you're you might be going to bed at like three o'clock in the morning, and then getting up at nine nine thirty the next day to, to go back to what you were doing. So um, it's fun. I mean, I'm doing um, living within my purpose and doing what I love, so I, I'll never complain. But you know, it, it you'll be pulling on nighters. I'll be pulling on nighters uh, later this week because I'll be in Charlotte for NBA All Star Weekend. Does it feel good, Scoop, when you see, like, you reported the Reggie Bullock deal pretty much done, like, eight hours before it happened? Like, does it feel good when all the guy, when all the other bigger guys are reporting it and you're like, you know what, man, I had it already. Do you, like, pat yourself on the back? Do you, the, how does it feel, like, from that standpoint when you knew you had it first? What I've enjoyed uh, doing as an indie, you know, when I was in grad school, for all the experience that I had mm-hmm. as a kid going finishing grad school and undergrad, there weren't a lot of people checking for me. For various reasons. And, you know, I've built my own brand. I've freelanced here. I've written here. I've been at publications, CBS, The Source Magazine, and a myriad of other places. So I'm not really new. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm introducing myself to young people who don't know who Net Slamming Planet is, don't know who Sam Cassell are or Keith Denhorn. I would say in the beginning, when a lot of people were just going on and on and on and on and on and on, and on Twitter, who do you think you are? You don't have any sources. At this point, I'm really just doing my job and really just cementing myself. And, and doing what I need to do. You, you do what you got to do so you can do what you want to do. And uh, Twitter's been a lot quieter. And I'll add that I'm not competing against anybody but myself. Right. I think when you get in the business of competing with other people or living for other people's approval, you'll be disappointed. You're supposed to compete against your old self. And so, you know, the bullet trade, a funny story, I actually got that trade as I was on my way home from me taping uh, the segments I was taping on set for something I'm working on with a network. And the funny thing is, I got it by accident. A buddy of mine was actually at the Knicks-Pistons uh, game mm-hmm. at the at Square Garden, and he was sitting next to a team executive. And the team executive was in a group text with someone, texting what the trade was. This was at 8.15 p.m. Nobody was tweeting or talking about it until 11.30 p.m. that night. That was when Frank Isola tweeted it. And so I had that information because that trade was being discussed while the Pistons were playing the Knicks that night. And a friend of mine was looking over that person's shoulder because their phone was bright as hell. Sure. And they got the information. They probably got like the text really big too. Like I know my mom has, she puts her text on the iPhone like extra, extra large. So I'm sure you can see it from the, from the Raptors. Yep. So that, that's, you know, you'll never know where you'll get scooped from. I mean, a lot of times, you know, with certain insiders, they'll get, they'll either have good relationships with team executives Mm -hmm. or have good relationships with players or, you know, there's also people who are runners. Like you'll get information from people who, whose job it is to communicate with the journalist, mm-hmm. who kind of plays like a middleman between journalist, executive, and what they hear on the street. I kind of get information from all of the above. Mm-hmm. Certain people who, who deal with league executives, like like GMs and stuff, 
They'll always be in the know because players change all the time. Then there are certain people who just deal with players, and then if a player is mad with you, they might withhold information. Ah, interesting. So, so you, I, I'm kind of in the middle. To some people, I'm new. To some people, I'm not. To some people, I know certain league executives. I know that there's certain players. Well, there are certain players who sometimes tell me things, and that's my source. Sure. So it just varies from case to case. Right. Speaking of the speaking of the Knicks, man, uh, I gotta ask you your expert opinion on this. I don't know if Scott Perry is a gangster and he just moves in 45 minutes and get deals done, or if he had that Porzingis deal on the back end because one minute Porzingis was in a meeting, the next minute he was hanging out with Luka Doncic in Dallas. Do do, do moves do trades happen that quick around the deadline, like doing the framework and calling it into the league, or, or was there was there already stuff set in motion already? There was stuff set in motion. Uh, I reported uh, on January 15th uh, that the Knicks and the, the Dallas Mavericks were discussing a framework for Dennis Smith. Um, right. I can tell you that uh, that was based upon Dennis Smith and Rick Carlisle's beef. Uh, and, you know, it was a remorse that the Knicks had because they didn't get Dennis Smith in the trade, uh, or rather in the draft years ago. Right. Um the Porzingis thing, from what I'm told after the fact, was something a conversation that that, that uh, was broached by the Mavericks and the Knicks kind of strayed away until um, they actually had a conversation with um, Porzingis in that meeting. So while that framework was discussed, it was nothing official until the Knicks and the Mavericks got clarity on what Porzingis wanted to do. So, you know, you looked at the Dennis Smith trade. Tim Hardaway Jr. was, as I initially reported on January 15th, Tim Hardaway Jr. was part of that trade. Courtney Lee was not at first. And then you also had some other guys. So DeAndre Jordan was added and some of that other stuff. So long story short, it was a trade that had been discussed by the Knicks and the Mavericks Mm -hmm. uh, and was finalized, I believe, January 28th. Let's focus still on the Knicks. They cleared all that cap space, $76 million in cap space now. Available to New York. You got my guy, Kevin Durant, who is, you know, chewing out beat writers saying, I only want to talk basketball. And then the next week, he does a whole media tour about his company and he's moving into New York City. In your opinion, where does Kevin Durant stand right now? Because the option is to re-sign and stay with the winner or save the franchise in New York. Do you have any idea where he's leaning? Well, I've gone on record on the internet and through my article stating that, uh, you know, the Lakers uh, source told me that that is where Kevin yes. Durant is going. You made me um, really however, happy with that, uh, Brandon, because I'm a huge Lakers fan. I saw you reported that in the summer and a lot of people were like, wait a minute, they're shooting a show for ESPN. What? He's hanging out with Kuzma. He's hanging out with LeBron. And then finally the boardroom comes out and now it all makes sense. Cause you had it, you had it way back in the summer, I believe. And then it was announced something, something like this was announced in September, I think. Yeah, September 17th. I'll never forget it. It's my baby sister's birthday. Um, <laughs> what I'll tell you is the Lakers are, are a preferred destination for um, our preferred destination for Kevin Durant. But I'll add the Knicks will really try hard to go after Kevin Durant. And a connection that is very underrated is a guy by the name of Royal Ivy, who is an, a Knicks assistant yes. coach. He's very close friends with Kevin Durant. Yep. And I've been told Kevin Durant actually will be a real Ivy's wedding. Wow. That's how close they are. Um, and that he was purposely brought in to recruit Kevin Durant. And that, you know, 
they'll be they'll be going after him. But I think three top options for Kevin Durant is a assume that the, the Warriors do go to the finals and win. Mm-hmm. They have the chance if he signs a one plus one at the very least. The Warriors move to San Francisco. They could win a fourth peak, and that's not been done in the, in the NBA. And so, you, you know, you want to decipher yourself as different from everybody else. That may be a potential situation there. That's one. Two, the Lakers are still there. They didn't get Anthony Davis. They right. still have young pieces there. And uh, Kevin Durant would fit quite well. And they have two open roster spots that they could fill um, in that situation. That's that's one option right there. And then the other thing is, I don't really necessarily think him moving that situation to, to New York has anything to do with it. His business partner, I believe his name is Rich Kleiman. Correct. Um, he... He's based. He's New York based. He's represented by meaning K, uh, KD. Represented by Rock Nation. Right. And um, Rock Nation is in Manhattan, so that, that that's there as well. I think ultimately it's going to come down to what the Warriors do and how willing KD is to potentially make take a pay cut if it's going to LA. KD is at the point in his career now, in my opinion, where LeBron was when he went to Miami, or rather. Not when he went to Miami, when he returned to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go so, back to the Lakers. My my favorite squad. You reported the outrageous offer that Dell Demps asked for. Basically, the whole the whole roster, four picks, pick swaps, everything that Dell Demps could ask, he asked for. And of course, they walked away. In your opinion, did you feel like it was a, a big to do that what Windhorse was reporting that Dell Demps just wanted to work the Lakers a little bit and cause some drama? in the locker room and that way you know if you look at if we look at the games they get blown out by indiana they barely beat boston at the buzzer thanks to rondo and then they get shellacked by philadelphia uh sunday afternoon i know lonzo is hurt i know Hart is hurt but how is that chemistry around lebron lebron's kind of just done this in every place he's gone he likes to replace the coach he likes to get his veterans in he likes high iq basketball players if the lakers don't move anybody in the offseason do you think it it could still work I think the Los Angeles Lakers are at a point that at the at the at the All Star break, they could kick it in high gear in the second half. Okay. And if they don't meet with the Golden State Warriors in earlier rounds in the NBA playoffs, they could go toe to toe with the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. With the, with the roster that's constructed right now. Yes, and with the buyout period being what it is, and being able to get certain things. Yes, any LeBron James led team. Um, it's predicated upon high-volume shooters. They went out and got that at the trade deadline with Detroit. Um, and I think they need to either um, get one of the Mars twins, if that's mm-hmm. what they're going to do, or get Melo. Preferably, I like Melo. And I also think they need to be monitoring the buyout market for people like Chandler Parsons and J.R. Smith. Wow. Those shooters. People who've been exiled from their teams are making are going to make a, an appearance in uh, in Lakerland. I'm all here for it, man. I, mean, I, I hope the Lakers get the seven seed and they get that nice matchup with with Denver. I feel like that's a very winnable series, and you can avoid you can avoid uh, Golden State until the Western Conference Finals. Is Luke Walton going to be there next year, or is clutch client Mark Jackson going to step in? Is Jason Kidd, who is a really good friend of, of uh, who has a good relationship with LeBron, rather going to step in? Is something crazy like Eric Spolstra? Going to come out of nowhere, or heck, is Lavar Ball going to make his case on for on undisputed uh, in the summer? What's what do you think happens, Scoop? Well, I wouldn't look any. I wouldn't look past Lavar Ball making his case, but in, <laughs> in actual, in all actuality, um, 
while Mark Jackson and Jason Kidd are both good candidates. I look at Mark Jackson as a good candidate because um, the thing in Golden State didn't end well. And I look at the Jason Kidd situation as, as a good fit um, because he and LeBron actually wanted to play together when they were p- both active players uh, in the NBA and it never happened that way. Mm-hmm. Sources within Jason Kidd's uh, circle have told me um, that, you know, Jason Kidd becoming a head coach of the Lakers would be a good consolation prize uh, in that in that instance. You know, he left Milwaukee with Giannis Antetokounmpo having his respect and, you know, things didn't work out there. I also throw this into the fire. Why not Magic Johnson come from the, 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 the owner's box and become head coach of the Lakers? Well, that, that'd be very interesting, Brandon, because he tried to do that, I believe, as a player coach, and it didn't really work out. But him just being just the, the full head coach and, and running it with some good assistance, I, I, I'd be down for that. The, the fans would love it. I don't know, I don't know how Jeannie feels getting, getting, letting go of her boy Luke, but uh, I, I'm down for it, man. It's Hollywood, so I'm here for it. Any 11th hour trades that almost went down? Because I feel like the Lakers almost panicked a little bit. Uh, it seemed like it because I was just in the Twitter sphere for the whole trade deadline. Was there any like last minute pushes for Bradley Beal or like, hey, we'll send you Kyle Kuzma in a first round pick for Vucevic before Orlando traded for Markel Fultz? Was there anything on the table like that at all from you that you heard that you heard? No, I was hearing more about the back and forth between um, the Memphis Grizzlies. Or excuse me, the Charlotte Hornets. And the Memphis Grizzlies and how that Gasol thing just went the other way. You called um, that though. You called Toronto, jumped in at the last minute, and they made the deal happen. They did, and I thought it was a good situation uh, for Toronto, particularly because they're looking to retain Kawhi Leonard, and uh, it looks like they're trying to make a jump in that right direction. And I also think that, uh, well, I'll tell you that the the Phoenix situation with Lonzo Ball was very real mm. and conversations with Orlando very real too. The Celtics are, are taking over the, the, the airways right now. You got Kyrie Irving who's a who's there. He seems disgruntled. He's got the knee sprint. He's day-to-day. He'll be back. Uh, you got Marcus Morris saying he's not having fun. You, you, you got the Anthony Davis rumors coming out. I believe Chris Broussard was on your show saying that the, the Celtics are a great possibility for Anthony Davis come the offseason. And then you got Brian Windhorst saying Jason Tatum, I'm cool with it, man. If you want to send me to New Orleans and I can be James Harden 2.0, I'm, I'm down I'm down for it. Where, where, where are the Celtics at right now? Because they're at a crossroads, it seems like, with youth and and, and guys trying to win a ring. Uh, do you think that the Celtics are going to be successful this postseason? I think that they're going to be successful in the second half of the season. Okay. I think that, I think that when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, they're a team, for example, small market team that uh, people don't pay as much attention to as they do Philadelphia. And I think going into the season, a lot of people you know, had high expectations for the Boston Celtics. Um, and I think that uh, I think that at the end of the day, the Celtics is going to take time for them to gel, dating back to last fall when Gordon Hayward got hurt. Right. And uh, I think that you know now you with Gordon Hayward having got hurt last year, Jason Tatum is he the face? Is Kyrie the face? Right. You know, and then you had early in the season, you know, does, is Terry Rozier expendable? Is Kyrie Irving expendable? And then Kyrie made the comments about you know if you'll have me, I'll stay. Now it's a different tone. Uh, to answer your question about Kyrie Irving specifically, what mm-hmm. I can tell you is, as much as people think he's just a goner in L.A being a topic of conversation because of familiarity with LeBron in 2016 winning a championship and more, Mm -hmm. I think that that conversation was purely just about realizing where the miscommunication laid and them making amends on that situation. What I can tell you also is that as much as people 
make the Knicks out to be just the marquee guys for Kyrie to go to because a he's from West Orange, New Jersey, which is a stone which is a stone's throw. Um, from the New York City skyline in Manhattan, particularly, mm-hmm. um, I, I wouldn't sleep on the Nets, and I say that because really? uh, Kyrie, yeah, Kyrie actually um, grew up being a, a Nets fan. Right, was a fan of Jason Kidd and more. In addition to that, told me that you know watching Jason Kidd was a pleasure, and you know even there's a tie with Jason Kidd, Byron Scott, uh, who coached Kidd in the Nets that that uh, when they went to championships that year, uh, live in Livingston, New Jersey, which is a stone's throw from. West Orange, New Jersey, is next door. Okay. And, uh, you know, Byron's got coach Kyrie uh, early in his career with the, with the Cavaliers. So there's familiarity there with the Nets and the Nets brand. Obviously, they moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn. And then Kyrie has ties to, to the city also. His dad is from the South Bronx. His godfather, Rob Strickland, is from the Bronx as well and played for the Knicks. So you look at it from the Knicks' perspective. But also, on the Boston side of things, Kyrie has always has been attached to Boston even before he's put on a Celtics uniform. Right. His dad actually played college basketball at Boston University, and he mentors a kid named Bryce Aiken, who was a standout at Harvard University. And so he has ties to Boston. His dad even had a tryout with the Celtics. And so there's ties all the way around. And I think at the end of the day, I can tell you that I, I, I've spoken to people in Kyrie Irving's camp as, as, as recently as this weekend, and you know, they said to me, Kyrie has said nothing or expressed anything relating to the fact that, you know, he wants out. And they've also said that Kai holds a lot of things close to his vest. He's not going to make a split-second decision like that in season. Mm-hmm. That's a conversation that's going to be had. I've not told anybody else this on any show. I'm telling you first. But Appreciate it. Basically, you're welcome. That, you know, Kyrie is not making any split-second decisions right now. He wants to play the season out. And then you see what happens. And I think that's a fair assessment. I think a lot of times, depending on the player, like you hear certain things on the LeBron side, you hear certain things on the KD side, Kyrie's pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. He plays basketball, and he does what he needs to do. And really on paper, the Celtics have a chance to do something big if they settle in and everybody realizes their role. Why would you mess that up? Yeah, it's 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 in my opinion, it's the most talented team in the East. Kyrie doesn't even have to average 30 points a night for them to dominate the Eastern Conference and make the finals. It's just they got to just they got to figure it all out. Is there any chance, Brandon Scooby Robinson, that Kyrie? I saw you tweet out the picture of LeBron and Kyrie in purple and gold. Is there any shot Kyrie would consider go to the Lakers? <laughs> I was trolling. Oh, you had me. You had me all riled up, Brandon. I mean, I think anything is possible right now. I think when you look at the Lakers, um roster right now they literally signed guys to one-year deals and short-term deals right to prepare themselves for 2019 the summer of 2019 and i think that when you look at on paper the core of kuzma ball lebron brandon ingram that's a great consolation prize for not getting anthony davis at the trade deadline yeah and all you do is add on to those pieces yeah so you can't get a KD. You know, maybe Anthony Davis, you can't trade for him, but he can become a free agent in 2020, and he can sign out right to whoever he wants to. Right. And then you look at, you know, the other guys who were on that list, that list, Kawhi Leonard, DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving, some of those other guys. It, it, he doesn't hurt you. You're literally having Lonzo Ball at the point guard position, and you're adding on, hypothetically speaking, of course, Kyrie Irving in the offseason. So I think it's not about money. It's about championships. Mm -hmm. And and Kyrie kind of looks like, to me, it reminds me so much of Rajon Rondo after he won that championship 
early in his career, he kind of just went from team to team to team. Like, I don't want Kyrie to be in that same situation where he bounces around, bounces around, has that one ring, but then what do you have to show for it later? Right. The Lakers are an intriguing situation for Kyrie. I still think you have to hold Kyrie at his word when he said, if you'll have me, I'll return. Mm-hmm. And you also got to look at the Nets as an option. Let's talk money real quick. The $40 billion man, Steve Ballmer, he's hanging out with Rich Kleiman. He was on the board. He's coming up on the boardroom. If, if the episode hasn't dropped, I know he's going to be on the boardroom. The Clippers, Jerry West, making moves in silence. Sent Tobias Harris to the East. Got that 2021 unprotected pick out of it as well. Are the Clippers players for Kawhi Leonard? Are they players for, for Jimmy Butler or Kevin Durant or something? Do people actually want to go and play for the Clippers, not be in LeBron's shadow, but have the beautiful L.A. life? Well, I will tell you that I tweeted maybe a month and a half ago that the top three suitors or the top three scenarios for Kawhi Leonard that I believe would work would be one, returning to Toronto, Mm -hmm. number two, signing with the Brooklyn Nets, and number three, a potential Clippers pairing. The Clippers have made the moves, moving Tobias Harris, because he probably wasn't going to resign, potentially make room for... Jimmy Butler or Kawhi Leonard or both, or even Kevin Durant. You have to look at that situation with the Clippers as a as not necessarily a constellation project, but really recreating a culture that was pretty close to going to a championship had that whole situation with Donald Sterling not take place and change the whole morale of that franchise. Right. The Clippers have to really rebuild that. And I think it would be a cool destination to go to. I, I like what they're doing. You know, post Blake Griffin plays, po- excuse me, post Blake Griffin. That's a tongue tie. Yeah. Post Chris Paul, post DeAndre Jordan, post that Lob City era. So, yeah, man, it'll be interesting to observe and see what happens. We're talking about the Nets a lot. I really like the Nets. D'Angelo Russell, he's a beast, man. I'm glad he got right, he got out of L.A. He found a home it, with the Nets. I'm a big fan of Spencer Dinwiddie. He's a, lo- he's a local L.A. kid. Karis LeVert's coming back. They're going to have the cap space. I feel like that team, Brandon, is going to be scary in the playoffs. If they get the right matchup in the playoffs, they could upset somebody in the first round. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that's a great team, man. They're, gonna, they're definitely going to pick up, pick up somebody in the offseason. They got my guy Joe Harris, super underrated three-point shooter. I have him winning the, I the three-point contest in Charlotte this weekend. I really think he's going to do it. Yeah, I, I like it. I like Joe Harris a lot. He can shoot, his light, shoot the lights out. I, I have um, paid attention to Joe since his days with the Cavaliers. And uh, I was actually at a Cavs game some years ago where I think the Cavs set a record against the Atlanta Hawks for, like, most of the reason the game. Yeah. When a half. I was at that game. It was wow. LeBron's year back in Cleveland. And that's when I first, first, first became familiar with Joe Harrison. Anything that he's got coming his way, I'm happy for him. Brandon, the last thing uh, we'll touch on before you go, I'm sure you're a busy man. I want to ask you, Who's who? In your opinion, who's coming out of the East? If you ask me today, I like the Milwaukee Bucks. They're like white lightning. I think Toronto's great, but they're just too they're they're just too good, and they're too. I haven't seen them hit a a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee, I watched them grow over the last two years, and I like their growth. And I think the addition of Miritich, yeah, uh, is a deadline. And the addition of Brooke Lopez this summer is going to pay dividends. And I, and I like Milwaukee in the East. 
Yeah, man, they can they match they can match up with anybody now with size. They got all the size they need. They can spread the floor, go five out with Giannis. I really like that. And obviously, I think you're going to pick Golden State to come out of the West, right? Or are you taking LeBron to do to, to defy the odds to write a beautiful Hollywood story and to push the Lakers into the into the into the finals? No, I think as it stands now, it's Golden State. Again, I do stand by my logic. Uh, a few questions ago, uh, when you asked me about uh, how the playoffs are pan out, and I do think that if the Lakers and is meeting a later round. I think that the Lakers and the Warriors can go toe to toe. But as it stands now, if you were to ask me today, who would go to the finals in the Western Conference? I would go with the Warriors. There you go, right there. And your MVP is it still James Harden, or are you are you going to go with Giannis, or is Paul George, who is having out of, playing out of his mind? Who do you think walks away with the big trophy? I think Paul. I think that um, I think that uh, James Harden is the popular pick, but. I think if Giannis continues to be consistent and depending on what he does at the uh, All-Star game uh, this weekend, I think that people could pay more attention to them and he could have a great surge in the second half. I did have Giannis as my as my pick for the uh, MVP this season. We'll see what happens. But the way he's playing right now, James Harden is definitely the MVP. This is totally random. My guy Mario Hazonia right here, the Croatian sensation, he dunked all over Giannis. And then he obliterated Marquise Quist for no reason. There's no way they buy him out. There's no way Mario Hazonia makes an appearance in the playoffs whatsoever. I haven't heard anything, but if, if I do, you'll be the first guy I let know. Oh, you know, I'm the big Mario Hazonia guy over here. Folks, my guy, big thanks to Brandon Robinson, a.k.a. Scoop B. Where can they find you on all social media platforms? Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram, and Snapchat, both at Scoop underscore B. And make sure, most importantly, uh, that you subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast. 3.5 million streams last year. Wow. 2.5 million streams in 2017. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher app. Or simply visit ScoopBRadio.com. There it is, guys. Make sure you follow Scoop B. He's got the check mark and he's got all the info before your favorites do. Once again, thank you, Brandon, for appearing. And, guys, make sure to subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe to Scoop B Radio and Hooks and Hoops. And until then, we'll talk soon.